Welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best of the best to help your scalar business from 1 million to 1 trillion. Today's is a very special episode. It's the episode 200, and uh, we have a very special guest. Uh, his name is Aaron Ross, uh, dad of 10, uh, the co-author of the book From Impossible to Inevitable, which is in Lem and who also is dedicated to help executives with uh, go-to-market uh, advice. Aaron, it's a great pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, like, happy to be here, especially you had a lot of twists and turns to actually make it happen. Absolutely, yeah. which shows that we are resilient. <laughs> mm-hmm, true, yep. It's amazing. Uh, I know that everyone uh, is aware of your amazing work with the predictable revenue now with the book From Impossible to Inevitable and of course the, the amazing impact that you are having with executives that you work with uh, and, and the SaaS scale-ups that have the luxury of, of working with you. But for the ones uh, who are just joining uh, the community or are still a little bit distracted, uh, so who, who is Aaron Ross? Um, oh, you want to go in for a really easy to answer question, huh? <laughs> I guess you know. Um, no. It's a and I think that, yeah, no, I, um, you know, well, it's funny because I don't think anyone, at least well, I didn't grow up thinking, oh, I want to be in sales or like a, uh, a business author when I grew up. I want to be like a pilot or astronaut, um, went to school for engineering and just happened to fall into sales. That's where uh, having a business that fails will you know, do that sometimes. But um, I think about you know, looking at how can companies grow in re- repeatable ways. Everyone tends to make the same mistakes. There's always new ones to make or make the same mistakes in new ways. But to me, the engineering mindset is how can you, um, you know, engineer as much as possible kind of growth and to do it in predictable ways. I would say I'm really interested these days in you know, the pandemic has really thrown the world's puzzle piece, puzzle into the air and broken it up into different pieces. And now we're seeing how the pieces still land. And there's still a lot of, uh, of change still happening. There's a lot of good things especially happening, but it's, uh, it's chaotic. Right. Still. I love it, and I'm, for the ones who are following your your newsletter, it's it's refreshing to see how uh, frank and honest you are uh, about what you feel uh, in in those uh, blog posts. Uh, and it, it's something that uh, again, it's leading by the example, and uh, congratulations for leading by the example and, and being vulnerable yourself. Yeah, well, that's an example where, um, like you said, you know, I've got. 10 kids went from zero to nine kids in seven years and at the same time um grew my income by a lot by 11 times and uh but you know like these days with the pandemic there's a lot of changes going on in the world and you know i and i think a lot of people look at a lot of social media or linkedin is very one-dimensional so one of the changes that is going on um and a lot are linked but you know one is that people I feel like maybe I'll just speak about myself. You know, business has gotten to be over tacticed and over measured. You know, if, if there's a spectrum from um, people working with people on one end, like pure relationship based, and the other end is kind of pure mercenary based, 
we've gone way too far to the mercenary side, especially in SaaS. And I'm, you know, part of my work has been a part of that, contributing to that. But you know what I feel like is really important now, and this has been this is already going to happen, but it just got accelerated by remote work, right? Everything is remote, and so there's less human engagement and connection that way. We have to make it up in other ways. Right. Is there's um, you know, this emotional pandemic, which is underneath the COVID pandemic, which is affecting executives, everybody, but especially executives who have a lot of response to the stress already. And so one of the things I'm experimenting with is for myself having a newsletter. This is a, it's called Fresh Air on Substack. That is really the goal is to have kind of uh, more of a three-dimensional view or feeling of what it's like for me to recreate what I'm doing with my work. So I'm still finding out what that means, but it's not uh, sales tactics. and um, But it's a way to for me to say, how can I help connect with other people in a way that feels meaningful to at least to them, maybe me, I kind of connect with myself to write it. And then in my mind, what I know is important for executives, the how might be a little bit but I know it's important for executives and I'm, I'm having conversations about this. I'm on some boards. I've got some clients. How can they find new ways, you know, there's a CEO of a startup or a CRO to share themselves with their broad teams, remote teams. So their people feel more connected to them, right? There's a, board, a company I'm on the board of and they're say the job market is hot, struggling with attrition. Um, you, know, you just can't keep throwing money at people. And a lot of companies are in this space, which is, you know, it's easier than ever, especially with remote workers in a hot job market. Um, I'm not happy here. I'll throw my, I send my laptop back into the company. I'll get a new laptop, turn it back on. Okay, I'm back on Zoom with different faces, higher paycheck. Like, where's the loyalty? So, again, going back to, one of the things that executives do need to do is how can they be more find themselves be more authentic and share that in different ways with their teams so their teams so not only does it feel better and you have a closer common you know connection which helps give you emotional energy but it creates more retention and engagement and loyalty with their teams mm-hmm. so we're the early stages i mean there's work is going to look so different in the next few years we're just uh in the early stages of seeing them and what are some of your tips or suggestions about uh, a way to create that emotional energy for for the teams and also for the executives themselves so how can we uh, work on ourselves so we got strong in terms of our emotional energy so we are able also to give more energy to our teams and and also to connect with them yeah that's a good one. I got my, my four-year-old is playing with some little like glass beads back here. So again, we're testing our resilience. Um, there's no quiet places in this house. In fact, it was quiet, but she tracked me down. Um, no, it's a good question. So again, speaking from what I've been through, you know, a couple, maybe two and a half years ago at this point, you know, I was just burned out, you know, again, I had so many kids and I was in a, a business and work situation that I really didn't like, I was just like, ah, oh, this sucks. Like I wasn't working with the people who really aligned with what I want to do and who I was. I was doing work that wasn't aligned with my like low value work. That wasn't a good fit for myself or the business. I'm just trapped. And there's a lot of factors there, but it took a couple of years to kind of unwind that and get to the place where um, kind of like get to escape that old business. 
do something new and feel like, oh, okay, I'm doing interesting work with people I like who align with values. And so for me, the things that really made, you know, on the work side, um, the why I've always said the, for 10 years, my big why is just support the family. That didn't change at all. And you know, like, I feel like purpose and why for, for the most part, for most companies wise, don't really matter it for recruiting, but in the day to day, it's more about who you work with and what you're doing and how you do it. So that's where I would start, which is a lot of people like there's just too many hours, working too many hours and too many screens. So are you working with people that you like and friends with or can respect mutually? Um, often also like, what are you doing? Are you doing things that for the most part, because there's always like shit you got to deal with that you feel are, are valuable or important or most of what you're doing in second administrivia. And then how are you working? So for me, like, you know, I've written three books, three or four books, depending on how you define. And in the past, the way I've uh, written books was usually like either being inspired or seeing that in writing. Hey, Bally, can you be a little quiet, please? That's just, there's no way to do an interview without, and that's at least the dogs. We have four dogs too, and kids. It's just constant. The family is always welcome to the Loud. Show. And you know what? I'm mean, partly <laughs> the pandemic remote, which has been great because now I have more people the same boat. Um, so, but the how, I have an example for me, is sitting down and writing in the past. <laughs> By the way, I know what the before. She's like, it doesn't matter. I asked to be quiet. She's just going to do what she needs to do um, to get her glass beads into the box. Um, but nowadays, like the idea of this, the feeling of sitting down and writing is just like, I just, it's, it's so, there's so much resistance and I just don't want to do it. I kind of like got burned out on that. Um, I don't have the energy, I don't have the, the desire. I want to create content. I want to have ideas and share them, but I see them to write. But what does work is I'm out walking typically and I'll have ideas I can record on an audio recorder. It's like otter.ai. And I have someone who, um, and they transcribes it, but someone kind of preps it. And I go back with the person, then we kind of edit and go back and forth to finalize a short, simple, usually, you know, blog piece. And, and even in that, it's really more about me speaking about my experiences. I am not trying to ask people. I'm not trying to inspire people or ask people to do anything. So I don't want to add to their load. I don't know if I get things. I'm just kind of over the content, which is asking me, calls to action like they want me to do stuff I'm like i don't want to do that anymore and um so but the the way i'm creating content fits where i'm now in a much better way than just trying to sit down and write so again the major changes for me were who i'm working with kind of what type of work i'm doing and the way i'm doing it all trying to readapt that to the where i am and what fits me yeah Shh. okay she's done and I think everyone's different. So it's like retuning in because there's been a lot of things that have changed in the world as to, um, you know, what do you, there's so many habits. Let me go back. The great thing about the pandemic and it forced a lot of um, habits to be changed that were just there from inertia, right? So remote selling was always there, but buyers didn't have to buy remote. That was a huge change in the world was buyers had to buy remotely. Right. That for like that was a huge change. The sell, remote selling was not that big a deal. Um, remote work, remote. At least now people, there's everything's going through spectrums. So there was male, female. Now there's a gender spectrum. There was straight, gay. Now there's a sexuality spectrum. There was work at home, remote work. Now there's a work spectrum. How much should you work at home? Eighty percent, twenty. 
I work in the morning, the night, you have kind of a blank sheet of paper. We have a blank sheet of paper and how to work and what works for us. Yes. World of opportunity. Yeah. You know, this, we have this world of opportunity, which is highly confusing and frustrating in a way, because like, where do I fit? What do I do? Um, but it's also a great opportunity, again, a great opportunity to find, you know, to get back into a rhythm of work that works better for you. And one of the bad habits, well, it's not a bad habit. It's just an old habit for, let's just say, corporate work was kind of the nine to five, Monday through Friday, and maybe it's 40 hours, maybe 60 hours. But um, a lot of it's just hours for the sake of hours, FaceTime for the sake of FaceTime. And so that's one of the changes we're still adapting to, which is how do we know are people doing their jobs and what should they do and how do we measure value? If we can't measure hours in a seat, how do we measure, how do we gauge that? So I do feel like we're, it's going to be, is a, and will be a really good thing for most people and companies is how to figure out this, having a blend of high, you know, whether it's remote and in person and what's the right balance and is there a hub or the offices or co-working and who can be remote, who can't be remote and navigating all that. And every company will be different. And that's, that's, and every person is different, but so that's a great thing as an individual. As, and that's why I think as an executive, you start with yourself. Can you, can you do this for yourself? How can you empower yourself and energize yourself? And then that will trickle down towards your team in good ways. Exactly. And what, what are some of the ways that you use to re-energize your, yourself? Well, I'd say the number one thing for me is if I get enough sleep or not. And that can be a challenge. It's been easier now that our youngest is almost five because there were a few years where we had kind of like a two young babies and it was just, it was rough. So sleep is by far the thing that affects me the most. After that, I'd say it's exercise. Um, if, I, if I'm exercising, it could be walking. The one thing I'm, I have struggled with for a long time is getting aerobic exercise. I do walk. I'm always moving. I'm not sedentary. I'm constantly. So that's, that's good. But I, it feels so much better when I get like aerobic, like even running or something right. like that. And that's a real struggle. And then after that, um, you know, there's things like meditation, nutrition and hobbies that um, there might be things I enjoy doing, but they don't have as like a significant, like sleep and like sleep for sure. Night and day difference. Exercise you know afternoon day difference everything else you know there's like important things that aren't as urgent that are but uh, like having a hobby i like to do so i'm still working on that but that, that's incredible yeah. so uh, how important it is to really take care of ourselves and uh, it also shows if we are not able to take care of ourselves it would be difficult to take care of uh, our teams and of our leaders and uh, our families so, and I think too, uh, you know, it's easy in the house to see whether it's myself, my wife, my kids, for example, if someone is tired or hungry or had a bad, you know, something, you know, got upset and they just start snapping at other people, they take it out on other people around them. And so, you know, again, it's a bit less obvious, but it does happen with executive, executives or anyone else um, or salespeople to customers, which is you're having a bad day. You know, some part of that, it might be a little bit, might be a lot, translates to the way you approach and communicate with your, your team or your customers. So now in the past, I think taking care of people and employees was for most companies a nice to have, didn't really need to do it. Some did, 
most didn't. It's becoming more of a necessity because of the easier for a lot of so many people, it's easier for them to switch companies. They're not trapped in one a locale now. They're not trapped by having to be in an office a certain number. Like there's remote work and other people can recruit your people from kind of anywhere. And that's more and more popular. Love you, Bella. So now if you're not treating yourself well, it's that has a, a, a bigger impact than ever, not only on your ability to think and have ideas and lead, but then it's going to have an impact on your team and company with things again, like performance, attrition, retention. And again, I'm seeing this with the companies that I'm um, working with already. This is, this is a good point. Um, so we have always discussed in the industry how important it is, especially from 1 million ARR to 10 million ARR, let's say from Series A to, to Series C, how important it is to create this predictable revenue uh, machine or to make the, the revenue machine repeatable, profitable, and, uh, and scalable. But nowadays we see that uh, according to the trends of the emotional uh, uh, roller coaster that everyone living, there are uh, weeks and quarters that are quite cute, and then we have a very bad quarter. And uh, so the, the, predict the predictability and the repeatability of what we are testing and implementing, it's becoming more and more difficult to, to achieve. Yeah. It's almost like, I mean, to me, the idea of predictable revenue, it's not any, you know, what we need is really um, adaptable revenue because I think what the COVID has shown and the way the world is going, and it's been doing this for a long time. I mean, even in like, think about uh, stock markets, um, you know, back when it used to be manual, it'd have uh, big swings once in a while, but as things got to be more connected, as automated, automated trading became bigger, uh, you know, a higher percentage of volume, Right. You know, they, there's more wild swings and kind of crazy swings and our world's getting more connected. I just believe that we have to expect there's going to be things like black swans and surprises, whether they're by country, global, individual, are going to be more common, not less common. There'll be less predictability in the world. And so how do you deal with that? Well, the only thing you can do that really like the best thing you do is if you're kind of preparing yourself and your team to deal with whatever comes your way, mm -hmm. right? And not being oh, overly reliant on, um, you know, expectations that things aren't, aren't going to change. They will just have like, it's so easy. Like our brains want certainty because we want to feel safe. Yeah. That, oh, so I just have this spreadsheet model that shows this progression towards our goals. Okay. I feel like we could do that. Feel safe. You know, and that model is a good guide, but this, the next day it's worth nothing right any you know any day something can come around and help accelerate it or cut out the foundation from underneath it you know and you can and you just got to be prepared for change it's always been the case but it's just going to keep like the metronome if that's the right word, but it's going to keep speeding up the kind of just stuff you know like whether it's like lockdowns or some other virus or it could be an economic thing or a technology thing or like it just be more I want to say chaos because you know because the flip side of chaos is opportunity as well That's if you can adapt to it. So in other words, what you are uh, kind of sharing with us is some of the principles that work well in um, to, 
in terms of SaaS, in terms of scaling companies, still apply. But nowadays, it's really much more important to have a very strong team with a very strong culture that is able to adapt uh, to what is happening uh, in the economy as we are seeing emerging much more uncertainty uh, than ever uh, nowadays. Yeah. And, and the leader yeah. needs to, of course, again, year lead by example and uh, be able to um, create that emotional uh, safety um, that everyone can be much more productive facing uncertainty and, and driving the company forward. Yep. Yeah, I do think a lot of the old practices do work, will work, but with, um, you know, there's, you can't, there's let every year there'll be less of the ability to kind of copy paste what someone else has done and just replicate it. Because again, the, the, the chaos, the opportunity, the variety, this, this, the explosion of everything that could work is happening so fast that um, everyone's different. It's like, you know, there are a million cookbooks I don't know the real number is, but there's so many and they're all valid, but which one's for you? You know, if there was five cookbooks, you could try five and find one, but now there's just too many. So what we're out of, even in SaaS is, can't you copy paste success? So it goes back to what's our own, you know, learn from what people are doing, but then what's our own version, our own ideas, intuition, navigation of all those opportunities to create growth. And so again, going back to like that emotional energy between the leaders and the teams is that much more important to be able to again, not only navigate change, but to find your own unique path through the opportunity versus relying on hey, what can what can I just copy that other people have done? Yeah. Something interesting that even before the pandemic starts is that in the SaaS space, it seems that every single uh, SaaS scale-up is kind of doubling, tripling revenues uh, every single year. And that's far from the reality. And when I start sharing you hear about, yeah. some of the stats with, with founders, they, they get very, very surprised how few of those scale-ups are able to really match uh, that kind of, of, uh, of metric. So I think that sometimes it's very difficult to go through the, the plateaus. And nowadays, the, the plateaus might be more frequent with much more emotional um, tension uh, in the team. So which makes, uh, and of course, the, um, the overall uh, panicking uh, also not helping uh, leaders to stay fresh and, and to stay centered to, to lead their minds and, 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 and to help their teams. Yeah, I mean, and everyone's suffering from all this background uncertainty, anxiety, the pandemic kind of eats away at some portion of their energy anyway. Right. Um, plus, most there's a few companies. I mean, there's a lot of companies that are succeeding wildly, but as a percentage of all the companies out there, I don't outliers. know. I mean, you might, yeah, they're still outliers. Most people, most companies still have a. And, and that's the problem. industry. That, that, yeah, that's I mean, the that's, that's industry. every industry. There's every industry has its one percent that just like knock it out of the park, whether it's artists or salespeople or unicorns, or I don't know if it's point one percent, you know, whatever. It's a small number that yeah. are the outliers with like really high success that get the attention. So it makes everyone else feel like, you know, because our news feeds are full of companies in tech like raising money, being coming unicorns, blah, blah, blah. And so if you, if, if you just watch that, you think, wow, everyone else is just crushing it. Like, why am I struggling? It's like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my team? 
what am I miss? What am I missing? You're not missing anything. You're you're you've got your own things you're doing. You can't let that reality distortion field. You got to catch that. It's kind of like if you look at Instagram and you only were looking at everyone who has lost weight, gotten married, had kids. Um, it's all the good news. And the reality is like everyone's got problems. I don't care if you're Elon Musk or me or, or you. You know, no one's special that way. Like no one's got it all figured out. And you know, they have good things happening. I've got good things happening. They've got problems. They're not. Sh- they're not showing. I've got problems. They're all. They're all the same. Um, that's one of the challenges. Like social media can be great in so many ways, but you just gotta catch yourself where you start to feel like other people are getting it right and you're not. Whether it's in business or personal, because that's not true. Right. And uh, I really enjoyed the way you were able, of course, to, to build your, your family of 10 uh, at the moment for 11 with uh, 12 with you and your, your wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also you were able to uh, grow uh, 11x your, your revenue. Uh, at yeah, my our income, uh, my own income. Your own income. So... And that's a good point, right? So how we are able to scale ourselves and and to and to scale the income, and uh, as you were saying, to maximize results with the minimum effort uh, possible. So how do we uh, adopt this kind of mindset? Because usually entrepreneurs are very angry; they want to do whatever they can to achieve the results, and it's <laughs> difficult for them also to and I'm talking about myself as well, uh, to let it go and to let others, uh, to create a system to make things work instead of uh, just being there and yeah. allocating our sweat and tears to and blood to, to everything. So it, it feels better that we, we get the results. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, for me, a lot of that comes into like what worked, what worked for me can be different than for you. I, this comes back to when you can feel good and easier to tune into your unique genius or your intuition or your path. And for me, what that looked like was, I knew this years ago, I just had this belief that I'd start really by kind of building an audience in the sales world yeah. and content. And then that would lead towards things that were beyond the sales world. And so for me, like, you know, writing was something that you know, so like writing and ideas and sales um, and partnering, you know, like finding partners I trusted or partners to work with and focusing on things I could really do best were all like vital to the way that I would create more impact with, you know, more, more results with my energy. Someone else might be like, well, for them, it's coding, right? Coding an app or others might be creating something. But this is where only, like I know good partners and a good team and whether that's at home or at work, that's that's vital, no matter what you do. People you can rely on who can do things that you're not good at and don't want to do and suck your energy. That's for anybody. But whether other than that, if it's, again, whether it's ideas or speaking or coding or products or distribution or something else, you kind of got to go towards, like, what are you interested in? What do you feel is right? What's calling you that way? And how can you tune out the the naysayer in your head that's like ah that's a dumb idea that's gonna waste time it's gonna take too long or whatever all the little shooter chatter is that comes up when like how many people who said they they want to write a book but don't 
how many people said they want to start a company but don't, or how many people want to leave a relationship but don't. And sometimes there's good reasons, but this is where you got to sort through what is your version of creating, you know, impact, like enabling yourself to be in a place where you can do 10x the results with the same amount of effort. One of the bad, um, you know, bad habits of at least the United States is by default throwing more effort at things, either more effort, more money. It's not working, do more. Not, not making your calls aren't getting enough meetings, make more calls, send more emails, write more blog posts. Yeah, that's not going to work today. We've got information overload and information commodity. How can you better tune in at the same time? You still got to put some the work in, but how can you tune into what kind of work, right? You want to be fit? Okay, you hate running? Why are you going to try to make yourself run more? Try biking, try a Peloton, try this, try, you know, like I, I like running and it's great. I can do it anywhere. I can walk anywhere. Um, but I don't get the same workout as if I do kind of like an all over body fitness class, which also really works well for me. Like there's, I can only do biking, but if I'm with, with other people, it's like knowing yourself, it's like when you want to do things rather than trying to force yourself because willpower to me is not, does not scale. How can you try to make it a downhill slope towards the things you're trying to get to kind of re-engineer, you know, rethink, redesign your environment redesign what you're trying to do to, okay, you want to make more money. You want to make an bigger impact. You want to have more fun at work or enjoy it. What does that actually look like? Why, where are you beating your head against the wall where you really should be trying to take a different approach or solving that problem? So again, more hours, FaceTime. Sometimes you need to put the hours in, but a lot of times you don't these days. If you're a leader, executive, that's, that's not your highest value is hours putting it, you know, for most things, that's not it. And in fact, too many hours, if it drains you, it's, it's a problem. It's a ne- there's like, you need some hours for me, like 25 hours a week, 15 to 20 is probably the right, the sweet spot. It's not enough. I kind of, I'm not really doing much. I don't feel grounded. If it's too many. I get exhausted. I'm just, I don't want to do it. Right. So everyone was going to have a different type of sweet spot. And that might change over time. And that might vary by the type of work. Like if I'm all on screens, like, uh, I only have a certain amount, but if I'm like meeting with people or I'm out walking, so there's all these weird, you know, again, you can't just copy it. It's like navigating what kind of work do I like to do? How much is the right amount? Who with who? And, and, uh, the challenge of the big family is I always feel like we get into a rhythm, a schedule, and then something changes to throw everything off again. Vacation starts. There's some lockdown. It's like, ah. Uh, you got to go through, figure it all out again. And it's kind of the same thing with work. So there is no predictable, it's like adapt, find your, you know, like how do you learn how to adapt so you can kind of navigate work to make it feel like it works for you and not just beat your head against the wall with what you've been doing the last 10 years, just because you've been here the last 10 years. And a lot of companies are trying to do this. It's just go back to everyone in the office, nine to five, I don't know, like, no, like, you have a great opportunity to rethink and redesign how you're doing this. Take advantage of it. Absolutely. Uh, and that, that's a good point also to understand that, as you were saying, uh, as a leader, when you are having a one-on-one with one of your, of your team members that is facing a difficult situation at all, uh, or the results are not uh, going up, 
this consumes much more energy than a repetitive task or, or something uh, much easier to do. And of course, just one hour of that conversation for a day might be more than enough. And you need to take out uh, the rest of the day to, to sure. recover for the upcoming yeah. conversation. So it can be emotionally exhausting. Yeah. Or uh, yeah, there's, there's some things like an hour of work could be no big deal and it could be exhausting or fun. Yeah. Absolutely. So an hour is not an hour is not an hour that way. My my one on ones with uh, with CEOs and leadership teams. Uh, sometimes one week it's it's amazing. I get out with a lot of energy, super excited about them and uh, the results they are achieving. And other weeks when when they are in a in a low position, uh, struggling with some issues in the business. It might be really, really exhausting uh, even to, to stay positive uh, when they are just sharing their stuff and, and ventilating what they are feeling. So that's that's really a good point. Um, I want to respect your time because uh, we need to preach, uh, we need to, to walk the walk uh, in terms of uh, maximize results and minimize uh, effort. But is there something that you'd like to, to share in terms of the goal to market or from your impossible to inevitable before we wrap up the show? Yeah, well, uh, there's a couple key things from the book that are still true. And it's that for executives, it's always the go-to book I send them to, the From Impossible to Inevitable book. Some things are true and going to be, but even more important, like sales specialization. Like this has been so vital towards getting things better, which is essentially like see prospectors you prospect, closers you close, account managers or customer success you take care of customers. If you have inbound leads, someone dedicate to that. Yes, do that, but do it maybe you need to do it twice as much, right? Because now it's more common, especially with the confusion of, of or profusion of opportunities at work when people remote is. Um, you know, if you have outbound prospecting, maybe you've got an even more junior role that's doing list building and research to support the prospect. So more specialization is more common now, more types of jobs. Um, like the more confusing the world gets, having a more specific job is one way to create some extra clarity to counter the confusion. That's true. Nailing a niche, which is the beginning of that book, really is about how can you identify the ideal customer who needs you the most, where you're not a nice to have and find messaging for them. Again, twice as important as ever because as the world changes and customer needs changes and there's more types of customers and just you need to be ever more targeted and um, insightful about who your best customers are, what they're looking for and how to adapt with them if their market changes. So those are, and, and that's the last one, like lead generation, you know, again, word of mouth, app on prospecting, content marketing, inbound marketing, all still work. You want to mob the tactics evolve, and here comes I think the most one of the most important points. It's not in that book. You know, it's just as an especially executive or leader, it's so important to start to tell people, including your CEO, hey, you know what? I don't know it all. There's no way I can know it all in my job. There's no VP of sales that can know it all. There's just it's impossible. There's too many apps. There's too many tactics. It's impossible. It's like. I know these three, here's the things, again, as a leader, you do this naturally, but I think it takes, you need to kind of go back and double down on this because what are the things you really should be focused on? And what are the things you really need to get off your plate? And being a lot more flexible with, hey, 
whether if I'm a VP of sales, I can't be the best at call coaching and email coaching and discovery call coaching and negotiation and negotiations and territory planning and quota. Like there's no, you can't be the best at all that. So whether you find outside help from consultants, whether it's inside help, like you have someone on or sales ops or in the team who does all the call coaching, just being a lot more um, able and willing to let go of this corporate armor that everyone's held on for so long. You know, if you, over the last few decades before, people needed to pretend like they had it all together. They had the answers um, to create trust with clients and the team. But that it's like, you need that if you're fighting a sword, you need armor. And now the world's changed. A lot of these, and so all that corporate armor of looking good and making feel, uh, having people think that you've got it all together is a hindrance. It's like if you're wearing armor and you're fighting people with guns or crossbows, it's, it's a problem. It's much more powerful now to drop the armor, which is heavy, and be more open about who you are, what you're good at, what you're not good at. And that's another way, not only lets off some of the, the, the load of carrying it, but it's easier to be more vulnerable and open with your team or customers to create more trust with them, which is actually the, the truly precious currency. Like their truly precious currencies now aren't time and money. It's like energy and trust. You know, the old hard work was around like putting the hours in. The new hard work is dealing with emotional challenges like fear, uncertainty, doubt, anxiety. That's where the future is. I love it. That's that's a great summary. I was just writing it down. <laughs> Definitely, I will need to listen again the the podcast, even having the conversation with you. Um, sounds sounds really amazing. So energy and and trust uh, yeah. are the a new uh, currency. So yeah, usually for executives, I'd say start by trying to find like see if you can work five hours or less. You know, reduce your work week by five hours and go back to like, what are the things that you do, whether it's at work or home that you like to do and you want to do more of? That's fun. Yeah. What are the things that are draining you and how can you start to, you know, amp, add to one and get rid of the other? So, you exactly. know, and again, it probably took me like two years to go from like, like real burnout to excited about things. And of course we had a pandemic in the middle and there's a lot of, you know, there's like a business exit. And, um, can't say how long it takes, but you just got to take in the little steps, little steps even every day. Sounds amazing. That's a great one. And in order to wrap up, so if you would have the opportunity to, to meet Aaron at the beginning of, uh, let's say, of Predictable Revenue, a company that you have exited, as you said, uh, what advice would you offer to Aaron uh, at that time? Um, yeah, it's a good question. You know, it's like advice, you can give people advice. They may, may not be ready to, or be able to act on it. Right. Um, so, I don't know. That's a good question. I think, um, you know, it, maybe it's one would be really try to kind of take an inventory or start to focus on like, what did I like to do? It's kind of a hobby. Uh, well, one would be like, can you, I've been struggling making friends and keeping them because moving also, we moved from California to the UK. So I kind of, and plus with schedules and a big family, like that's a struggle. I'm not sure I could have given past advice about that. And hobbies, like having a hobby that I want to do and stick to. 
again, like the schedule, it's hard, hard for me to do that. But I'd say if there was, um, I don't know about that. I think it's just, I don't know. I don't have a good answer, actually, honestly. I love it. Again, <laughs> leading by example yeah. and being vulnerable. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, there you go. Like, I don't know. I don't know. And that's okay. Great way to, to wrap up. Aaron, it was really a pleasure to, to host you. Thanks for making the time to be here with us for the episodes. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I'm glad to get some uh, some guest appearances from the background players. Um, exactly, yeah, it, was Mike, a, yeah. it was a bonus. So <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Thanks for that. All right, Mike. Yeah, I know, thank you. And I appreciate the chance to, to chat. And all the best, and you know that you are always welcome, and I'm sure that our community would love to learn more from you as we go through uh, this pandemic and uh, as we keep uh, energetic uh, facing the adversity that, that comes on our way. So, and I uh, just wanted to say that we keep bringing you the best of the best to make your life a little bit easier, uh, scaling your company and uh, with the example of Aaron, also scaling your family because all those principles yep. apply <laughs> to your personal uh, side as well. So see you soon and keep scaling.